Hi! Hey! And welcome to the Cordial Catholic. I'm Kay Albert Little, an evangelical convert to the Catholic faith, and this podcast is exists for, for one particular purpose. It began for me when a Protestant pastor asked me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? That question led me on a deep dive into the history of my faith as an evangelical Christian, the history of the church, the Bible, the Reformation, what what happened. And in that deep dive, I began to look at the Catholic Church for the very first time in her own words and realized then that what I thought I knew about Catholics was based in large part on misinformation and more often than not on simple misunderstandings. Well, this podcast starts to fill in that same gap, the gap between what do you think Catholics believe and what we actually do. Each week, I have a real Catholic conversation with a real Catholic thinker from the heart of the Catholic Church. No misinformation here. And this week, I am joined by the wonderful Rachel Bowman to talk about the vocation of of marriage and and what it means as a Catholic, uh, a Catholic convert in Rachel's case, and in the case of of, of my own uh, uh, marriage, to become a spouse, to to get married. The Catholic vision of of marriage, but in particular, the Catholic vision for the spouses, for for wives, for husbands. How, How to suffer well, how how to love well, what we do with contraceptions, how do we evangelize and witness to to our children, to other Catholics and Christians out there, and to the wider world uh, through our vocation as a a spouse, as a Catholic spouse. It's a wonderful, fun, tear-jerking conversation, and I think you will love it. This conversation and others on this show are brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic and our one-time donors at paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. Guys, this is not my full-time job, so your support financially and through your prayers help to underpin this show and make it possible to do week after week. So thank you to those who are already supporting this show, and if you are considering supporting the show, those links are in the show notes, and thank you in advance for your prayerful consideration. And now, without any further ado, my fantastic conversation with Rachel Bullman on, on you know, a, really a convert's guide to the Catholic vision for husbands and wives. It's a mouthful, I guess, but it's a fantastic conversation. Please listen and enjoy. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. If you are watching on YouTube, thanks for watching. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, hit the bell, uh, like the video, leave some comments and feedback, do all those fun things you guys do on YouTube and keep it nice, please. If you are listening on podcasts, thank you. If you are on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, if you uh, leave a rating or review on this episode of, of the show, that helps to push the podcast out to new people. So please do that if you can. And thank you for listening. Guys, this week I am joined by uh, Rachel Bowman. She is a convert to the Catholic faith and internationally renowned speaker and author. One of the one of the stars, along with her husband Jason and their six kids, of Meet the Bowmans on Word on Fire TV. And for our purposes here today, the author of a fantastic new book from our Sunday visitor, Becoming Wife. Uh, Rachel, thanks for being here. Once again, you're back on the show. I don't know why you came back. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> welcome and hello. Hello. I had a pretty good time last time, so, you I'm, know. I'm come glad. Back. Another good time. I'm always surprised when, when guests come back on the show, so thank you. <laughs> I think John Briggs has been in the show, I think, like 10 times, so I don't know what his problem is. He just <laughs> he keeps coming back. 
it's it's wonderful. So thank you. And I want to say, first of all, full disclosure to, to our listeners to the show who can't see me, I am not a Catholic woman, nor am I a wife. So just for like for full disclosure here on the show, this isn't like a topic that I am an expert on, although I have a wife who is a Catholic. <laughs> she wouldn't she wouldn't do this episode. I, I said, hey, why don't you just go down? You talk to Rachel. You guys can chat. Uh, we have a four-week-old at, uh, here, and so she goes, no, my, my brain is is just like mush. And I, well, mine's not much better, but a bit better. So I'm doing the... I'm doing the show, Rachel, <laughs> but I'm not an expert on this kind of stuff. Nonetheless, a lot of listeners to the show are actually Catholic women or women who are becoming Catholic on that journey. So this is a great topic, even though I'm not an expert on this. You are, Rachel. So. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you read it anyway, even though you're not an expert. So I did. I did. <laughs> and then we get to chat. I, I did. And I think guests, uh, guests, listeners of the show will love this conversation and this topic. And I want to begin, I think, with this idea because, you know, you're a convert. I'm a convert. Listeners to the show are, are on that journey or have taken that journey, you know, or are, are curious about what Catholics think and do. And I know for me, and I know probably for you too, when I was, when my wife and I were dating, and we became engaged and got married, it was a bit of a weird time in the evangelical world in terms of the ideas about about marriage and relationships. I had Andrew and Sarah Swafford on this show recently, and they both said, yeah, this was the era of, like, I kissed dating goodbye uh -huh. and strange ideas about <laughs> what it meant to be in, in a relationship. So I, I wonder, for those, those listeners, because the Catholic view of marriage and of family and of what, what it means to become a spouse in, in the Catholic Church is much different than those weird ideas. So I wonder, especially for those listeners who are like recovering evangelicals who had strange ideas about, uh, about marriage and relationships, can we begin by kind of just laying out the framework for when you are you know, getting married, when you're thinking about marriage as, as a Catholic, how that's different than some of the, maybe the strange ideas we would have had as evangelicals. Is that a, an okay place yes, to start? Yes, no, that's perfect. <laughs> and I, I love to, I think we could even go back farther because I think one of the most important things, the distinctions between Catholicism and Protestantism is that there is a vocation, you know, that there, when you're yeah, talking yeah. about marriage as, as a, as an evangelical Protestant growing up, I was like, Oh, this like only one option, right? I'm going to keep going. And then I'm eventually going to find my husband. He'll probably be a preacher. I'm going to play on the piano <laughs> and we're going to take those pictures where like the wife stands behind him on the, the chair. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> that's a preacher not now, the way, so <laughs> right, right. So it's true. Um, I, that is a really funny story to tell my dad. Sometimes I'll be like, you still got one. I mean, he just is Catholic, <laughs> but then becoming Catholic and seeing that number one, there is this, this talk of the vocation that we have this understanding that there is a calling that it comes from, from within and something that, that God calls you to. And I really, really love that. I love the fact that, that this is not, you don't have a, a default vocation. Yeah. You have a vocation that you're called to. And so when you're on this path towards marriage, I remember being actually here in, in the town that I'm at now, there, our hometown, there's a Bible college here. And my husband, he's like, you know, I see some of these, these kids come in at his, at his office, at his medical practice. And he said, they'll come in and they're like 20 years old and they're, they're like married. And I'm like, well, why, why are they married? And he's like, he goes, well, it's not so bad that they're married. It's bad that they've gotten married because they just want to be able to, yeah. you know, participate in the <laughs> conjugal act. He's like, and that's what they've like grown up yeah. thinking about yeah. is, yeah. well, you know, and I'm going to be pure and save myself 
or marriage. And it's not for any other reason other than like, I'm going to say yes to marriage so that we had the, I can have a conjugal life now. Um, and then they don't have any of the foundational things that we should have as un- the understanding of self-gift, this understanding of being gift to the other. And so you have that caveat that came with that Joshua Harris, yeah. some of even Elizabeth Elliott's writings, a lot of the, you know, sorry, Rebecca St. James, the, the <laughs> True Love Waits <laughs> movement, all of those things that were happening, especially when I was a teenager and signing the little contracts, you know. <laughs> and so you think... Like, this is what marriage is about, because that's the way that they've juxtapositioned it with purity culture. So in order for me to be pure, that is in tandem with being married. And then I can, I don't know, I no longer have to be pure. Like, as weird as that sounds, it almost sounds like that's what they were telling you. You can, you don't have to be pure anymore because now you're, you're married and you can just have all the sex you want now that you're married. And it's just such a bad understanding of the human person. It's a bad understanding of the human heart. It's a bad understanding of what happens in marriage. And so when I came into the church and understood what a sacrament was, not just the sacrament of the Eucharist, but what the seven sacraments of the church are and understood that every one of them were for my good. And then put that next to the sacrament of marriage and understood this, this, this idea of servanthood, this idea of being complete and total gift for the other. It changed everything because it's no longer about a very narrow view of marriage as a key to sex. It's very much an explosion of the human person and it's an explosion of the divine love of God and the Trinitarian life that we're all called to participate in. And it's there's so much more depth to marriage than we have ever given it credit for in the world, but the Catholic Church has, has tried to do that for us. Oh, that's fantastic. We could spend an hour talking with this, this little thing <laughs> that you unpacked. <laughs> yeah. It's so true, right? Because so often, and I mean, so, so let's do vocation first, because the idea of the vocation is so, is really radically different in the Catholic world than it is in like the evangelical Protestant world for, for the most part, right? And mm-hmm. I, have, I have known a lot of, in those high school university days when I was, evangelical you i knew a lot of people who were who were single and confused because oh i couldn't i can't find a spouse i can't you know no one no one will date me i can't find a girlfriend or a boyfriend or i, I can't find someone that i kind of drive with and if you can't do that you're kind of lost and kind of wandering around because as an evangelical like your your end goal is you know to follow christ to serve jesus and to get married and start a family. Right. There's no sense that there are other vocations, as there are in in the Catholic Church, in, in the priesthood, in religious life, right? In in these different kind of ways of being, being a, a Catholic mm-hmm. Christian. I think that is so interesting, right? For the people who are, who have been told all along, like, hey, you got to get married, you got to find a spouse, partner. Well, hey, I can't. The the, the default for us Catholics, and now of course for you and for us, you know, raising kids, the default isn't, okay, you're going to grow up and get married. The default is like, you're going to find a vocation that you're called to, whether it's marriage mm-hmm. or the priesthood or religious life, or as a consecrated virgin, that's kind of hard to right. explain maybe to, to a child growing up. <laughs> right. But there's like that as a, right, right there is, is so different mm-hmm. in, in the Catholic world than it is for the non-Catholic Christian, right? Yeah, and I mean, even growing up as a child, there weren't conversations about marriage because it was the default. We don't have to have conversations about it because that's what you automatically do. And so now with with six kids of our own, we talk about vocations all the time. 
I mean, our, they, our kids are lucky enough to be surrounded by some really wonderful priests yeah. to have, have met some nuns, know that mom, one of mom's best friends is a nun. And so <laughs> they see me texting. They're like, oh, you're talking to sister. And so, so many things that they're, they're aware that these vocations yeah. exist. And then trying to make it a very casual conversation has been really beautiful because I don't want the first time that they hear about vocations to be like when they're, it used to be like when they're a junior in high school that they would have like the focus day on their vocations. And I don't want it to be then. I want that to be something that their hearts are already molded towards. My heart is molded towards a calling and I need to be aware of what that calling is. And so we'll just be having casual breakfast, eating a bowl of cereal. I'm like, hey, you had to, you know, say yes to vocation right now, what would it be? What do you think? <laughs> Which sounds kind of like a load of pressure, but because we do it so often, they're like, uh, maybe today I'd be a priest or, you know, there's one day, one of the boys one day was like, well, today, maybe I'd be a deacon. Cause then, you know, I could have a wife and kiss a girl. I'm like, that's true. So <laughs> good priorities. But. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Yeah. That, that's, that's fantastic. And just so different than the conversation that you'd have as a non-Catholic Christian. Now, I love what you said about the idea of marriage as a gateway to conjugal life, right? Because that, that, of course, also is that other side of it. And I don't know, I'm not a young evangelical these days. When I was, you know, as, as you were, that certainly was one of those things that you'd see or experience or, and I guess, you know, you talked about Jason seeing these guys coming into his clinic and, and that kind of the mindset. So I guess it, it does still exist, obviously, mm-hmm. but that is one of those things. Like, okay, so... You know, you say you save yourself from marriage. That's a good and pure and important thing. But then that's just kind of the goal then, the end goal. Find someone that you're compatible with or you think you are and, and marry them and then, you know, live that blissful life. And there's not a lot else in that conversation sometimes, right? Because that's that's, right. that's just the default, right? There is no sense that, oh, are you called to this, this marriage life? Are you called to, to that? That's the default. And so find someone and get married. And then, and that does, of, of course, for... For young people who are full of hormones, oh right, right. That, that does become as, as maybe as hard as you want to not let that be the overriding thing, right? That That's going to be a really big influencer on how fast can I get married? How fast can I meet somebody to get married? Mm-hmm. And that and that be the end goal. And how dangerous is that when there's not much more to marriage other than, yeah, we should do this. It's important. We believe in, in the value of marriage, but not a lot else to say, okay, let's slow down and, and talk about what what marriage is it's a sacrament because that's not part of the conversation right it's true and i mean what what then happens is and you see this and i that's one of the reasons for the book is that i know that when i was getting married i would have loved to been able to pick up a book like this yeah yeah and and i think that that's true for catholics and for protestants that are preparing for marriage just wanting to read something that says gosh this is the deeper level of what you're saying yes to and especially as a a Protestant woman, you just don't see that. And it's so, there's so many different understandings of complementarianism. There's egalitarianism that happens within and Protestantism that's just run amok. And so women are never able to really discover their, their own vocations, discover their, their likeness to the blessed mother. And so when, when you're trying to, to find out who you are and, a lot of times the Protestant vision is so skewed and, and, and so diminished because of their understanding of the sacrament. I mean, everything comes down from the top and flows down. And so 
if that's misunderstood, then it makes it really difficult to understand the human person. And so I really love the gifts that the Catholic Church has given to us in their understanding of all of these things. And I hope that 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 this can be a conversation starter for a lot of women. And and even I, I actually told some of my priest friends and other guy friends that I know that I'm like, you should read it too. I mean, and I talked to my sons in the intro and was like, you should read this. Hopefully there'll be something in here for you too, no matter what that vocation may be. Yeah, absolutely. And I can recommend this to any, any man to read this book too absolutely (laughs) it's wonderful and i think i want to make sure that i'm fair to protestants and catholics because the flip side of this i guess too is when i was a young evangelical you know in high school university thinking about marriage the catholics i would see in the opposing circles were the ones who had nowhere on their radar the idea of marriage right they were (laughs) the ones can i say like sleeping around or dating lots of different people or with no clear understanding of what their vocation was in marriage or their, their, you know, who they were meant to be as this part, you know, this, this image of God that then complemented their spouse in that kind of union in a marriage. And I still, I still sit and I'm, I'm the old guy, maybe in in a staff room, sometimes a bunch of young new teachers. And I, I sit in my staff room and and I, and I hear conversations amongst new teachers. I want to just get a a box of these books, Rachel, and just kind of put it, you know, put a little sign up and hey, 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 read this guys. Because even in, even in a staff room that that's full of people who, who are baptized, who are confirmed in the Catholic church, this is something that's not very well understood by people who, right who should know who they're meant to be, right? The the idea, I think, even amongst a lot of maybe not going to, to Mass every single Sunday Catholics, I mean, maybe they are in some cases, hey, I got to sleep around to meet someone that I'm compatible with. I got to live together first with somebody before right. I can understand if I'm a good fit. That is so contrary to this idea of, you know, being a spouse, of being a wife, of being a husband, of what Catholic marriage is, right? Those things... And not very well understood, sadly. No, not at all. It's so sad. And it really is such a, you know, I think that um, John Paul II's theology of the body obviously has changed the landscape for so many people. But then, largely, a lot of people look at it and go, well, that's sex education. Like, if you're going to talk about theology of the body, then we're just talking about sex education. I don't need that. But when you really get into the philosophy that's behind theology of the body, you really get into the anthropology of it. It really does lay a really really firm foundation for who the human person is called to be and what you're called to do with your life, what you're called to do with the gifts that you've been given with all of your heartache, with all the wounds, what you're, what you're called to do with that and what the Lord intends for, for the whole world. And so I think that, that these conversations really just show us that there's just a deep longing. Like there is a longing to be loved and there is a longing to not only be loved, but to be able to love well, And for so long, the world has won that conversation and told people, you know, the only way to be loved well is with your body. Well, the Catholic Church says your body is important, but the fact is, is that you're an embodied soul. And because you're an embodied soul, what you're doing with your body matters. And so we're asking you to do things in the right way. We're not telling you that you can't. We're telling that you can, but you have to do it in the right order and with the right intention and the right talos in mind. And that talos is going to be to become a saint and to get yourself to heaven with your spouse and your whole family. And so this book hopefully would be something that someone would pick up and go, gosh, either they've read Theology of the Body and they want to read Becoming Wife and they're like, gosh, these kind of go hand in hand. 
John Paul II. I feel like that was a very bold statement. (laughs) (laughs) Or they read it and they're like, gosh, I really want to read John Paul II. I really want to read Dietrich von Hildebrand. I really want to read Edith Stein. And maybe this would be like the gateway to dive into some deeper philosophy. And I'm telling you, it opens your eyes. It changes your whole worldview when you're able to see yourself in that cross that hangs above your altar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. And to understand, yeah, I mean, what what the purpose of marriage is, right? The purpose of, of becoming, a, of, of being a husband or being a wife is not this this selfish thing to just to do this thing or or society demands at some point I do this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find someone I'm compatible with it and, and do it with that person is to bring that person to heaven, right? The, like the, 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 right. The point of sacraments are to, to mold us, to be more like Christ, to, to help us get to heaven and, and to be saints, right? It's the whole purpose of, of, I don't want to give the spoiler away uh, you know, of, of your book, but part of the idea of becoming a wife is, is to, to help you to be a saint, help your husband to be a, a, a saint, right? And that's poorly understood, I think, by a lot of people who are even getting married in the Catholic church, that that's the point of, what you're doing there, right? Right. And it's just a misunderstanding of what love is. You know, we, yeah, we kind of use yeah, that word yeah, so yeah. frivolously and you can love anything, right? You can love uh, it, uh, your car, you can love your home, <laughs> you can love your child. And we kind of equivocate all of those to be in the same type of love. And so when we can understand that the love that God has intended for us is a love that is a suffering love. It's a love that is a complete gift of self. It's a love that costs you something. And the world wants to sell you a love that's in, inauthentic, a love that doesn't cost you a thing, a love that makes you quote unquote happy, and a love that is frankly temporary and empty. And we've fallen for it for so long and it has seeped its way into the church. And so we put so much emphasis on the, the day of our wedding that we forget that this is absolutely forever. And absolutely forever means that there are going to be moments of, of sadness, moments of suffering, moments of joy, moments of, of welcoming new life. And there's going to be moments of losing life. And so you have to look at this big picture and the big picture always and forever is the same thing to become saints, to get to heaven. That's the goal. If there's anything else in mind, if there's, if you think to yourself, the goal is a beautiful wedding day, the goal is X amount of people coming to the reception. The goal is to party all night. You've got the wrong idea. The goal is heaven. Yeah. You talked about the idea of a gift, and I think that's so missing in a lot of the Like, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to find a spouse who who I like, who I get along with, who helps me feel good, who we have, we have fun together, we, you know, we, we fit well together. A, a lot is lost in not understanding that, well, I'm also looking for somebody that I can give my gift to, the gift of myself to. I think mm-hmm. that's really interesting to kind of turn that around and see that, you know, what you have to give is is the gift of yourself and that somebody else uh, dare i say needs that gift in a sense to help them to heaven is that is that fair to say oh my gosh it's totally fair to say because i think you you hit the nail on the head i could feel it because i could start my eyes were starting to well up with, with tears <laughs> perfect <laughs> because the truth is is that that's that's the beginning of the true understanding of who god is and who he's calling you to be is to first and foremost realize that you're loved and you're loved because you yourself are a gift. Like if you can realize that, what if you realized that you yourself in totality, your body, soul, your mind, your spirit, totally a gift. 
And if I realize that about myself, wouldn't you treat it differently? Wouldn't you treat your body differently? Wouldn't you treat your soul and your mind differently? And so I think that that is the the first point to realize that you are a gift, like you are meant to be waited for. That's not the white way to say that. That's horrible English. But someone <laughs> should be funny. waiting for you. Someone needs yeah. to have the patience that it takes to love you well. Not because you require patience, but because true love does require a bit of tending and a bit of of waiting for and journeying with. And so that's the first and foremost thing. The other thing to realize, too, is that there is absolutely nothing that the human person can do to change that gift, to make it less than. I mean, I remember being at a youth conference and the speaker had this really beautiful illustration. And so she took out a a wrapped present and she was like, oh, here's this wrapped present. And maybe you've done things along the way. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. And she tore a little bit off. Uh, Maybe you've given yourself away before marriage. You tore a little bit off. Maybe you do other things. And she's naming all these different things that young women struggle with. And she's tearing a little piece off. Then all of a sudden she's like, but God comes in and he shows you that that the gift is never has never been changed. So she takes the gift and she throws it across the, t- the stage. And she's like, and here's this gift. This is you. And I was like, did you just throw me across the stage? <laughs> yes. But there's this new gift that's not me because I'm laying over there on the stage. And I understood what she was trying to say. But I told my husband later, I said, what would have been better is if you pulled all the gift wrapping back. And what was beneath it was even more beautiful gift wrapping that you didn't know was there. And so I think that uh, St. Athanasius says it so well in his treatise on on the human person, on his anthropology. Um, I'm going to forget the name of it right now. You know it, don't you? Yeah, on the, uh, on the Incarnation? It is. Thank you. Yeah, on the Incarnation. One. Wow. I know. What was I doing? I was tired. <laughs> thinking about gift wrapping. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but in On the Incarnation, he says that the human person, maybe we've been marred or you've been, you have dust that has settled over time, like a painting. And he says, what has to happen then? You don't throw away the canvas, but that the painting is then placed by that which it was modeled after and then returned to its original glory. And it's not that you're thrown away. Like God doesn't intend to throw you away. And there's so much of that within other religions that tells you that, you know, if you've messed up, you're done. If you've messed up, that was a huge thing in Joshua Harris, like his dating goodbye. Yeah. You know, if you if you have screwed up, you're done. Like if you've slept around, you're done. But the Catholic Church tells you that you are a gift no matter what, that you can be returned to your former glory, the glory that's not even former, but the glory that's still present within you yeah. and be able to find yourself as the incarnation, as someone who is made in the image and likeness of God and that that never goes away. And so knowing that you're a gift, knowing that that gift doesn't change and that your belovedness doesn't change, that it always is, but then knowing that there's always a way forward, that you're made in the image, but you've returned to that likeness. You keep going back and becoming more and more like God with every movement towards his heart. And so that's what the church presents to us. Gosh, that sounds so much better than a gift that's thrown across the table. (laughs) That's fantastic. I love that. I love those youth those youth, youth rally oh illustrations gosh. like that. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I, I guess for me too, like the, the thinking about the, the hang-ups, the anxieties that I may have brought, that I don't know, friends of mine would have brought to, to marriage as an evangelical. We have the beautiful sacrament of reconciliation as Catholics too, right? So you mm-hmm. can you can truly bring into marriage this freedom 
from sin to know that what you know whatever happened with that gift you were bringing right however the people right. got torn off you are that great gift and you can really truly feel that i think for for the catholic young person approaching marriage versus trying to i don't know what you but it was always difficult for me to make a mistake to, to mess up to do a stupid thing and then feel forgiven without this, you know, when I, right. when I became Catholic, all of a sudden confession was, oh my gosh, like a priest is saying these words of Christ. Like, I'm hearing this. That's a different feeling of forgiveness, a very tangible difference mm-hmm. in reality to then approach marriage, really being truly free of those, those hangups or those things that you might, the, the, the baggage, right? The, the, right. the kind of the ruined gift, right? <laughs> right. It's tossed across the table. Yeah. And so it's just, it's really, it changes everything. When you realize that. And I think that that's one of the the best gifts that you have within marriage is that you literally have someone who is tangible and someone who is on this journey with you and they get to help you remember who you are and remember who you're called to be. And so I can't tell you how many times in my marriage that Jason and I have to look at each other and go, gosh, you're forgetting who you are. Like, remember who you are, remember who you're called to be. And so, um, I mean, even using that that same exact language and what an evangelization it is to the world, but also to our kids. I mean, one of the things that I've been really aware of lately and that I love is Jason and I will be kind of uh, laughing and poking fun with each other. And and I look over and our oldest is just kind of smirking at us because he's enjoying (laughs) like our flirtation. And I'm laughing like, oh, my gosh, like I really wish that I would have seen this growing up. Like how would it have changed yeah. my life to be able to see that? Yeah. And so, um, and even our friends, uh, the young adults that we've had over the years, they laugh. They're like, mom and dad, we're definitely not their mom and dad because we're too close at age. <laughs> but they're like, we love watching mom and dad and the way you guys interact. And so um, just, it's such a, a beautiful thing for the world to see people that have been married and have a billion kids, maybe if the Lord has called you to that and given you that gift. But then people that have been married for so long and still love each other. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a gift in and of itself. Forget the kids. They're pretty great. But if you're able to also just be married and to be in love and to be suffering the things that the world is that the world tries to throw at you, but also what the church is calling you to, because holiness is not easy. I mean, this is, this is a cross, right? And so we have to realize that the world needs to see that, especially yeah. today, yes, that yeah, the yeah. world has very much given up on true love. Yeah. And so we can be reminders for them of the existence of true love. <laughs> you have a whole chapter on evangelization, right? The, this idea that you are as a spouse, as a wife, as a husband in Catholic marriage, you are evangelizing. You mentioned to your children, you mentioned to, to the world. Yes. And like you said, now more than ever, that's so important because that institution of marriage, never mind Catholic marriage, even just marriage in general, yes. is mm-hmm. uh, you know less and less common and less and less well understood or or respected or, or taken seriously as a as a thing. I mean, I can't. I, I feel like even even amongst the you know I don't know about you, but when I was young, evangelical in university in high school. Even back then, which wasn't that long ago, Rachel. Right, we're super young. Yeah, we're so. we're still young. Yeah, we're still young. But even you know, even back then, the idea that you would be be divorced as as a Christian, you know, was mm-hmm. was pretty scandalous, right? I knew very few. Right. I knew very few Christians who were who were divorced. I heard parents who were divorced. But now I look around, and lots of people that I knew back then are getting divorces or are divorced. Right. Lots of them, right? People who I went to youth group with, I'm thinking, guys, this wasn't a reality at all for us. And now 
you are divorced, right? Because marriage, even amongst Christian circles, is less and less of a thing that's taken seriously right. or, or understood. And I think even evangelization to, to fellow Catholics, you know, in the yes. previous Catholics who aren't going to Mass all the time, or maybe they are going, you know, seeing that joy you described, seeing that, you know, mm-hmm. all, the, all the children that God has gifted gifted us with, right? Seeing that openness to life and, and to joy and to supporting that spouse in kind of the, the true idea of, of union, of sacramentality, of being that spouse to the other person, right. not just being the guy for, for a husband who just who goes out to the bar and comes back and who's bringing the paycheck home but not really involved right. in, in family life, right? All those things, so important for, for the world, the Christian church writ large, the Catholic church, so yes. important to see, right? Now more than ever, I think. It's true. I mean, we we just got back from our boys' first travel soccer tournament. <laughs> and and you know, so it was like a whole weekend of just lugging everybody to different fields. And um what was really beautiful was that there were definitely people that stopped by our little pop-up tent and they're like, Are these are these like all your kids? <laughs> <The whole team. laughs> we're like, yes, these are all the kids. And so first of all, they were amazed because the boys actually play on the same team. Yeah. And so even just at practice, when the other kids aren't there, they're like, oh, you have two boys on the team. I'm like, yeah. And so then I finally started telling them, oh, you're going to see a lot more Bullmans. Like when we have games and stuff, there's going to be a lot <laughs> more awesome. Bullmans. And so not only are my, my boys there, but our, our four kids are there with us on the sidelines. My husband is there. I'm there. And so it, it just happened that way. There are definitely some games where we both can't be there. But that that's a witness. Yeah. Like to yeah, just yeah. be there and to not act a fool. Okay, parents with kids in athletics, please not act a fool. But <laughs> to be there and to just be happy to be alive. You know, and so just I can't tell you how many people would just stop by the tent just to say hi, get other parents bringing over their young, young kids like, hey, there are other young kids here. You're not alone. <laughs> you have some other kids to play with. It's like a party over here. And so um, the world just needs that. The world needs to see that there are people that are just loving life. Like that realize that it's good that they exist and that they're also, because when you realize that it's good that you exist, your existence actually affirms other people's existence. They look at you and they're like, oh gosh, like I could do that, huh? Like this isn't just something that these people are called to. Actually, if I'm breathing right now, we're all called to that. And so it's just such a gift to be joyful. It's such a gift to realize what God is calling us to. And I can't tell you, I families, they're, they're just, you're such an evangelization that's happened there. And I don't know if you saw the other day, um, Katie Prejean McGrady, it was so cute. She posted that it was her parents' anniversary and she called it, um, like the birthday of the Prejean family. And she was like, you know, it was the day that, that my parents said yes to marriage. And that was the day of the beginning of our family. And I, I was just like blown away. I told her, I was like, can't believe you just called it that. I'm stealing that. I'm going to call it the Bullman birthday for us on our anniversary. So, um, but it's true that the moment that you say yes, you say yes to changing the world yeah. through good marriages, good families. Yeah. And the struggle too, right? I mean, because that's another amazing thing to recognize, I think, going into a Catholic sacramental marriage is you have those graces 
to those special graces, right? Are really like unique graces in the sacrament of, of matrimony to meet those really difficult times that will surely come, but to meet them in a way again that I think will be a tool for evangelization to the rest of the world. I can think of people that I know, Catholic families, Catholic Catholic spouses, who have gone through really tough times, like deaths of right. deaths of children, tragic illnesses, really intense hardships financially, losing losing houses, losing spouses, difficult things. Mm-hmm. And the graces in that are are tangible. And that too is is a witness to the world, right? That kind of suffering in the context of that sacrament of matrimony, right? It's it's life-changing. You know, I think that when people, and I think we're all guilty of it, you see very pretty pictures on Instagram yeah. or you see, you know, what they post for their public ministry and you think, gosh, well, so-and-so has really got it all together. <laughs> um, this person really knows what they're doing. Like, I don't want to model myself after them because that's way too high of a, of a pedestal to try to put myself on. Um, but what we don't ever see the things that they endured, the things that they suffered to be able to, to achieve that, yeah. to be able to answer the call to become married, to be able to answer the call to whatever ministry the Lord is calling them to. We only see the fruit. The fruit takes the longest to grow. And so that's the very last thing that grows on a tree, right? So for us to then make the judgment by the fruit and not understand how long it took for the seed to be planted, not understand what it took to tend it and keep it there. That's a huge, huge misunderstanding that we have. And so when you see a good marriage, when you see someone doing beautiful work in the church, I would encourage us to look at it and thank God for whatever suffering that person has had to endure to, to do that, to understand that. Because there are many, many people that I know um, I've talked to several different Catholic speakers and and personalities about this. And they're just like, yeah, no one knows. I mean, we see the really nice car, right? We see the nice car. Nobody wants the the car payment. You see the ministry and you think that all this, these things just happen. They don't happen, right? I'm sure this podcast just didn't like it's, it's been pretty much like roses and daisies, right? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So there's all of this suffering that comes, but Gosh, it's so worth it when it's seen in the light of eternity, when we really put everything in that same question, you know, what is this in the light of eternity? And if you can answer that full force, I mean, if I can answer that on the sidelines of my kids' soccer games, you know, what is this in the light of eternity? And so um, this is a bit of, it's not too much of a tangent, but one of our boys, he's super tenderhearted and um they were playing a game in the finals. It was a team they had already played in the regular part of the tournament and they won. So they won the whole thing. We get over to the sidelines. He gets his medal, take his picture with the trophy. And I walk over to see him taking his cleats off and he's crying. And these are not, and mommy knows. So it's not like happy tears. These are sad tears. And so I'm like, what happened? Like, who do I need to beat up? Like, what do I need to do right now? And so he comes over to me later and he's like, mom, he says, the kid that was guarding me, um, cussed me out. Basically he goes, you know, there was a point during the game when I, he got the ball for me and he said, blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, okay. I said, well, I was like, buddy, you know where that comes from? And I mean, his heart was just broken. And so when we talked about it later, I said, I was like, was your heart broken? Because, and he looked at me and he says, mom, my heart was broken because, it makes me sad to think that he's probably heard that somewhere else. Oh, wow. 
Like, and he said, he goes, I'm not sad that he said it to me. I mean, it hurt my feelings. He said, but I'm sad that that was his first instinct was to say that to me. And I just remember thinking like, God, I wish I was like as smart as you when I was <laughs> yes, 10 years old. Yes, yes. Um, but the gift that the church has given us to become the people that God's calling us to be, and then you are able to watch that happen for your kids, yeah. then you're able to see that, gosh, the fruit can keep coming if you keep tending it in the way that God has called you to tend it. It's hard, but man, all of that toil and all that labor might not be something that you see until heaven and heaven will be enough. <laughs> That's a great, that's a wonderful tangent. <laughs> Thanks for taking it. <laughs> I love that. Okay, you talk about married life being a reflection of the life of God. And I think that's really, really fascinating. Again, you know, thinking about the evangelical tool of that, thinking of how others see that, see the life of God in a marriage. And so that aspect, also just thinking about how we see our own marriage. Like it's meant to be a reflection of that divine love of the life of God. So how would you, you know unpack those two things, like the idea that that marriage is that reflection of God for ourselves in the marriage and also for others to see God in our marriage. That's a, a, high, a high calling, I think. Right, right. I think, you know, I think a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters could get really behind the, yeah. I think, the first superficial thought of um, the Trinitarian life, meaning that it's like the, the Father and the Son, and from that love comes the Holy Spirit. So it's very easy to get behind that the idea that the husband and the wife come together, and then from the husband and wife, the love flows out and children are born. Like so that that Trinitarian aspect is really easy to get get people behind. You know, obviously that's that sounds like a very Trinitarian thing. But then to take that even further and say, you know, not only that, but you and I were all called to those different things. That if you take the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then say that the Father is always for, the Son is always from, and the Holy Spirit is always with, and then try to explain to other people that those things are actually what every human person is called to do. Like I am always from somewhere because I'm always a daughter. I am always going to be for someone because I have those traits of what it is called to be a parent, like this, this idea of being a parent. And then I'm also always going to be with someone because I also have this calling towards spousality. And so to take that and then show it to others that don't share that, even within Catholicism, that language is not something that we talk about all the time. And that just completely changes what marriage then becomes. Because if that is what every person is called to be, whatever vocation we're being called to that still exists within that. If you're called to the priesthood, you're called to religious life, you're called to to celibacy, those things still exist within those different states in life. They just look different for us here on earth. And so what happens then is that if that's what every person is called to be, then as I learn to answer those calls to be for, from, and with, then I become more of who I am. And more of who I am is a greater reflection of who God is. And so when we really adopt that, it allows us to really see how those three things being for, from, and with are actually always happening throughout your whole life, but they're meant to be done in, in, in our human manifestation of it in a particular order. And so when you're first born, you are automatically from, 
And then as you get older and you may, you get married, then you become with, and then, or your vocation, you're, you're married to the priesthood, you're married to the church. Sorry, you can't be married to the priesthood. You're married to the church or you're married to Christ. Then in those two things, you are also, also with in those ways, like the Holy Spirit. And then as you go on and that love grows, then you become for someone else, for the church, for your children. And so it's just a really beautiful understanding because if you then put those two things next to each other and these, this is what we're all called to do, then you can start to identify the wounds that, that exist and then how that, that pattern of the human person has suffered and created wounds. So you'll see a lot of, a lot of married couples that have children and they'll think to themselves, well, my marriage is crumbling And in order for me to be happy now, I have to just give all of myself to the kids, right? I'm going to give everything that I have to the kids and everything is going to be fine. But the problem is, is that that pattern that God has laid out for us in the church and in his own Trinitarian life has now suffered because now you're no longer able to be with, you're only four. And so if that has suffered, if your spousality has suffered, it makes it almost impossible to be truly for the other. Because no one is being for you. No one is being with you. If you're a spouse and you're, you've never been able to understand the wounds that you suffered from your childhood and you look at your, your spouse as this father figure, this mother figure for you, that can be a way that you've suffered because now you're relying so heavily on this identity of being with that you've forgotten what it's like to be from. And we all have to have the identity of being from, of being a child of God in order for the other things to work and to, to show who you are and who you're called to be. It's a really, it's almost like, like a weird table or hierarchy that that God has given us to understand who we are and who he's calling us to be. And if we can remember that and be able to identify those different places where, where we've suffered wounds, then, and be able to then see those identities of being for, from, and with being more like the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, then it actually allows us to be more of who we're called to be as a human person. Is there so much into it? Jo- uh, Joseph Ratzinger wrote a lot about it. He never wrote any one uh, paper or anything just about it. I really wish that he would have, maybe we're going to find that under a mattress somewhere <laughs> that, that, that paper is floating around in the world. Um, but it's life changing when you really realize that, that it's, it's actually been written into my heart this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, the other thing that's life changing uh, on a, on a, to shift gears a little bit, uh, contraception. This is a fun topic. Okay. Yeah. And I want to, I want to talk about this because it's in the book. Okay. So this is, this is fair game. You yes. wonder about this, right? But this, I city, and I mentioned this a lot, uh, not, not a lot in the show. I'm obsessed with this, but I'm always surprised at how many people look into the Catholic church, become Catholics by way of like natural family planning or fertility awareness. It's crazy to me. And we're, I mean, my wife and I are, are, are part of this cohort as well. Like this was something that we thought, wow, the church really has nailed this down and, and gets it and understands something that we were already in our hearts as evangelicals, you know, feeling mm-hmm. called towards and, and wrestling with. So I love that you mentioned this too. And I think going into, you know, into marriage, the idea of becoming a spouse, becoming a wife, getting getting married, this is a, you know, you, <laughs> we're in the book, kind of a really intense and interesting topic. Unpacked and understood properly, so attractive for people who are wondering about this, how to understand this, because the Catholic Church really has this well understood, right? I think I think you right. began to kind of unpack this. 
and realize that too, right? That the, the mm-hmm. what the Catholic Church says about you know contraception, about the, the the conjugal act, about sex, really makes a lot of sense of what the world is very confused about, right? Right. It's incredible. And I remember, and even now, you know, not only just about contraception and sex, you know, a lot of the world right now is going, gosh, I kind of want to rid myself of like the, not, not that the pharmaceutical industry is completely horrible. My husband would say they might be, (laughs) (laughs) but, but a lot of people want to say, you know, I want to rid myself of the medications that I don't need. Like I want to rid myself of, uh, there's, there should be a way that I could practice, um, you know, not having babies all the time other than popping a pill that ruins my, my whole cycle. It makes my body think it's pregnant and then I'm not. And so my whole, everything is completely thrown off. Um, that's a very elementary way of saying all that, (laughs) but but a lot of people then go, well, we also now want to become religious. So what church tells us, what religion tells us that we contraception is bad? Because I feel like I know it's bad. And then they turn to the Catholic Church, yeah, and then yeah, you find yeah, that, yeah. that we do have it all really well laid out. Um, but like you said, it is a, it's a heavy topic because to talk about it is one thing. To actually do it yeah. is a completely different other thing. I wish Jason was here right now so that he could be like, yes, it's it's very hard. Um, and so, I mean, it requires, it requires true abstinence at times. It requires a true understanding of what it is to be chased. It requires open communication about things that the world tells us are taboo. And yeah, even other yeah. churches will tell you are yeah. taboo. Like, you can't talk about that. I mean... We do. You have to talk about it. I don't want to talk about all those things now. <laughs> People start turning off podcasts. <laughs> but you're going to have very conversations that as you were growing up, you're like, you're not supposed to talk about that. That's why they separate the girls and the boys in sex yeah, ed classes yeah. is because you don't want to talk about that. But when you're called to be total gift of self, you should have those conversations. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, I share in the book a little bit about um, – after I had Gemma, our third child, I was just really struggling. I mean, I couldn't imagine having another kid, which is hilarious now because now we have double <laughs> the amount of children that we had at that time. But I went to Jason and was like, I'm done. Like, I don't want any other kids. Like, I I want to be able to make love to you. So we just need to find someone that's going to say yes to contraception for us. I mean, there's got to be someone that I can talk to within the church that has some sort of like authority here. <laughs> which is hilarious because the authority has already been set. It's already been done, but I was looking for some sort of way out, you know? And so I was like, let me go talk to some priests. Let me go talk to other, other good Catholic folks. And no one told me that it was okay. And now mind you, I never just said, so is it okay for us to do contraception? I'm trying to, trying to find a way out here. (laughs) Um, But they were all like, you know, you're called to life and, and contraception is a, mortal sin yeah and i just remember thinking like you guys suck i need better friends (laughs) and my my loving husband he endured all of this you know he never told me he had every right to come to me and be like this is not okay like we we've reached a fork in the road and if we're gonna contracept i cannot contracept like we need to meet with a marriage counselor we need to talk to our priest he didn't do that. He silently endured with me and he, he never was like rejecting me in that way. But he just kept telling me, you look and you come and let me know what you found. <laughs> so wise. 
And so I remember after all of this hand wringing and trying to search and find an answer that wasn't there, or at least the answer that I wanted, um, I came to him and I just told him, I was like, gosh, my spiritual director, this is sharing a lot from the book. Well, my spiritual director at the time, I told him, I said, um, I was like everything. And I wouldn't talk to him about this. I was talking to him about something else. And he just looked at me and he's like, you just, there's something that you're not trusting the Lord with. And it's affecting everything else. And I, he knows to this day that I thought to myself, I would like to punch you in the face. <laughs> I laugh, I guess. That's amazing. So, uh, uh, then, you know, now here we are, we're six children in. There are definitely moments that it's still hard. Um, but there's moments that are so worth it. And those moments are knowing that that Jason is in this for the long haul. And I think that when we we can understand that marriage is forever. If we can understand that this is a calling that is forever, that it takes all of the stress out of all of the things that are hard when we really believe that the other person has fully said yes. I remember speaking to a really good friend of mine at the time. We were no longer friends after everything had happened, but she was going through a divorce and and we had been talking about her possibly converting to Catholicism. And so when I called her and we were talking about everything and she said to me, and I was, I was very young in our, in our marriage, but she said, Rachel, haven't you ever thought about like, what if something happened and you needed, you wanted to divorce Jason? And I said, that's never even been an option yeah, for us. Yeah, yeah. Like from the beginning, like if I'm going to say yes to this, I'm going to say yes forever. And I'll never forget what she said. It makes me cry even now. She said, I really wish that I would have found Catholicism oh, before I did this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think that if people can really see the goodness that the church offers, that it's not a restriction, yeah. it's actually a yes to you becoming exactly who God is calling you to be. The fullness of humanity is actually within all of the tenets of the church, within all of our sacraments and all, all of what the world tells you are rules and regulations. These are actually doorways to freedom. And so to know that marriage is forever will forever change what the world thinks marriage is. Yeah, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Glad I can make you tear up a little bit too on the show. That wouldn't be a Rachel Bowman interview without a little bit of tears. That's true. That's, that's wonderful. And it is so, I mean, that that aspect, the, the forever, like that, that that is so countercultural. The idea that we need to have practiced chastity and, and times of absence within marriage is so bizarrely countercultural. Oh my right? gosh, right. I, I, even to our evangelical, our Christian brothers and sisters, again, we mm-hmm. talked before about the idea of, of getting married so you can have intercourse, right? That's one of the things right. like, yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. <laughs> right. And I can think of some of the books that we read when we were a young, a, a new evangelical couple. You know, we, we even early on, before becoming Catholic, we're kind of uncomfortable with the idea of, of, of contraceptives. And some of the books we'd read like, were all about different ways of doing intercourse and the importance of, like, it, it was right. weird stuff, right? And even back then, we were like, I don't know that this is really what God intends for this. We had this kind of innate feeling. And then finding the Catholic Church was like, yeah, this actually, like, unpacking theology of the body and understanding who we were made to be and how that that faculty is meant to work in harmony to, to you know to, to image God and children as the the result of that act of love as intended. Right. right. I mean that all just I I'm not surprised that so many people become Catholic after asking those kinds of questions. Right. You you, you said early on there you know somebody approaches contraceptives as okay I want to get off this thing I thought this isn't good for my body anymore. 
And then when they become, you know, awakened to spirituality, go, okay, well, who out there also feels this way? You know, what religion, you know, sees this as as important? And the Catholic Church is the only option out there. And they go, right. wow, there's there's something to this, right? <laughs> it's it's not an the uncommon... Catholic Church cares you, about my body. Yeah, right? it's so... What? <laughs> right, and again, like, it's not these restrictive rules, right? Like you say, the whole purpose and point of marriage, you know, this included is to to make you a saint to get you to heaven to help mm-hmm. to help in that like that, that divinization of being more like Christ that's part of it the whole of marriage is part of that right pointing pointing towards that and i think as you say going into marriage knowing these things understanding these things you know practicing these things daily that just transforms how you are as as a wife, as a husband, as a father, as a mother, right? As a, as a witness to those friends of yours who might not be within the Catholic Church, who are looking at you, you know, the, the, the soccer, the soccer families, you know, who see and guess what, what's going on here? Like all of that is wrapped up in that vocation of marriage, right? In, in becoming who you're meant to be as a spouse, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't. I, they, I I look at Jason. And it was so funny because there were moments of obvious stress during our little trip this weekend. And, um, like we were, the twins weren't sleeping and we hadn't slept very much. And I remember the next morning thinking today's going to be hard. And I opened the door out of the bathroom and he was standing in the bedroom and I said, Hey, and he's like, Hey, and I said, I wouldn't want to suffer this day with anyone but you. And he (laughs) laughed. He's like, me too. (laughs) And so it's just a great, great realization that that marriages can change the world. And it really, really is first and foremost realizing that you existing changes the world. And and so everything that you do contributes to that change. And so you have to change it for the better. <laughs> I love that. Okay, one last thing. And I love, this is near the end, I think maybe the, the last thing in the book, actually, you talk about, and this applies, I think, as well for, for both spouses, but becoming childlike. And I, that's mm-hmm. right. That is a central tenet of our, our faith as Christians, as Catholics, right? You know, Christ tells us we should become childlike in our faith and experiencing the, the, the wonder and the, and the mystery and the reverence uh, as, as children of God. I tell us a little bit, and as the last thing I want to ask you, what, what that means in marriage. Because I think that's really an interesting concept. And I, and I love that how uh, you kind of finished the book with this. So, what would it mean to become a, a childlike wife, a childlike Husband, I think that also also applies. Childlike in the sacrament of matrimony. What does that what does that mean? Yeah, there's something that that Hansers von Balthasar said, and he said that our goal is to become adults with childlike faces. And and so I think one of the things that's really beautiful, Jason was going to drop off our son at a, uh, a like a play date or something, and all the moms were standing there, and he said that he walked up and he could tell they were kind of chattering, and. Um, he walked up and they were like, we were just talking about the fact that the Bullmans don't age. <laughs> and, and he's like, of course we don't. We've got all these kids to remind us <laughs> to keep us young. And, and the truth is, is that in order for you to become a childlike spouse, you have to be able to look into your spouse's face and, and be in wonder and in awe to be sitting in reverence before the gift that God has given you. And that's something that has to be interchangeable with the two of you. You know, there's something too that, um, that Deacon Keating, James Keating, he wrote a book about spousal prayer. And he said that there's something that, that you cannot, you can't get anywhere else except within the the gaze of your spouse that there's, there's this idea of being beheld, like for someone to really see you. 
And because someone really sees you, they sit there in this wonder. And, and I think when you can reclaim that for your marriage, because there are times when the stress is high, there are times when sleep is too little and when work is fraught, you know, and you're like, I can't find the wonder and you, you have to just dig deep and look at them and remember, like, I wouldn't want to suffer this with anyone else but you. And I think that with my kids, you know, kids are such a great reminder of that. If you have kids of your own or you just watch kids at, at mass or at, you see them out in public at a coffee shop, you watch the wonder that they, they visit the world with, that they extend to the world. That's what you're called to extend to your spouse. You know, that when you're standing in the kitchen and you're both trying to rush to your morning to stop for a second and be like, I just sit in wonder of this human that God has entrusted me with. (laughs) And and there's such a gift within that 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 wonderment, that amazement of the other that is really just the the bed of 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 planting something beautiful for your kids to see, for the world to see. And so there has to be like a childlike amazement. Uh, um, look, make your spouse uncomfortable with how I made. <laughs> it's pretty great. I have been very uncomfortable at Jason's amazement. <laughs> so, and I think that I've done the same for him and I think we're going to continue doing that forever. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was just going to say, I was thinking the same, that, that exact thing. I was thinking of how I would say to my wife, you know, look, give, give her that look in the morning in, in the kitchen and, and she goes, what, what are you looking at? And give me, like, yeah. you know, and, and, and elbow me. But then the kids see that and they laugh, right? Because they, yeah. you said before, you know, they, they, they pick up on that energy, that, that, that little kind of playfulness. Like they, they love that. So I think that's amazing. I love, and yeah, I, it's true. I'll never tire of <laughs> that kind of thing that's wonderful <laughs> oh rachel thank you so much for being here this is an awesome conversation before we go uh, where do you want to point people towards to find this book to to follow you uh, uh things that you're doing where, where should they go and i'll put these links all in the show notes too Thank you so much. So they can they can find Becoming Wife on Amazon or on OSB. Um, and then you can also follow me on Instagram or Twitter or all those Facebook things. Um, just Rachel Bullman, trying to keep it simple. And you can find where I'm going to be in the next coming months at rachelbullman.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I want to say God bless you, the work that you and Jason, your family is doing for the church. You guys are amazing. So thank you so much. Uh, and God bless. You too. Thank you. So I had a lot of coffee before I had this interview, so hopefully it makes some sense to you. It isn't totally off the wall on, on my part. Always a thrill to have Rachel on the show. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I loved having her. Uh, awesome guest, awesome family, wonderful story, wonderful book, and awesome stuff, you guys. So hopefully you enjoyed that too. Let me know, cordialcatholic at gmail.com, for your feedback on, on the show. We're on YouTube to watch what you're hearing here, youtube.com slash thecordialcatholic. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, or on Spotify or any podcatching app that includes ratings and reviews, please just press pause real quick and leave us a rating and a written review if you can, because those help to push the podcast out to new people and help others to hear these kinds of conversations. And thank you. If you are seriously listening on those apps, please do follow us as well. That does also helps to get the show out to more people and grow this fan base. So thank you, fan base. <laughs> fan base. <laughs> oh my. Too much coffee. Mentioned that before? 
If you want to help to support the show financially to underpin the work we're doing here, those links are in the show notes to Patreon, patreon.com slash cordialcatholic, or to paypal.me for a one-time donation to the show. Your funds, guys, help make this thing possible week after week uh, and underpin this whole thing. So thank you. Uh, what else to tell you guys? We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all those fine places, uh, at Cordial Catholic, The Cordial Catholic on Facebook. Find us there. Interact. Leave some messages. Send some tweets. Uh, follow us in those places, guys. Love to interact. And thank you for listening to the show, guys, week after week. Know that I'm praying for you. Please pray for me, too. Take care, guys. And God bless. This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordialcathy. A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Kelvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.